0: All righty. Good morning, church. Glad to have you all here today. Um, like Daniel said, my name's is Tyler, um, Tyler Potter, and I am actually new here on staff with H2O um, within the past year. Um, this is indeed my first time preaching, not only with H2O, but ever. So you all get my debut sermon. Don't have to clap for me. Don't have to clap for me. We're here for Jesus. Um, so, I'm, ex- I'm excited, yeah, I'm excited to be here before you guys. Um, I know some of you know me, but some of you do not, so um, I'm glad I get to be here before you, and if you're new here, we're super excited to have you here, um, but I'm just going to get right into this. Um, so, if you've been around with us this summer, you know that we've been going through a sermon series on spiritual disciplines, um, and if you don't know already what I'll be preaching through, Um, I'll be preaching with you guys about evangelism. Um, Evangelism, um, as a spiritual discipline, um, is one that hopefully many of you are familiar with, if not already practicing in some way, shape, or form. Um, However, for those of you who may not know what evangelism is, um, simply it means to share the gospel. Um, Or in other words, um, to share the good good news of who Jesus is and what he has done, and how that changes everything for all of us. And so in today's message, I'll be preaching from a text that many of you have heard probably time and time again, um, a message received around 2,000 years ago, um, but since has shaped um, the very nature of the church as a whole and Christianity as we know it today. Um, And so with that being said, I'm not necessarily looking to break new ground. I'm not necessarily looking to provide you with some revolutionary way to live your life. Um, But my goal in these next 30 to 40 minutes is to hopefully have you simply cultivate in you and in this church the missionary vision that Jesus and his disciples had already set out to do all those years ago. Um, So let me pray, and we'll dig into our text for today. God, I just thank you. And I welcome you, I welcome your spirit into this room, into this into this house today among this congregation. Um, God, I just thank you for the opportunity um, that I have um, to just share your word um, with this church and with the people here today. Um, God, I just, I pray that your uh, words would be said, that you would guide, direct um, this sermon. Um, God, I pray for the hearts and the minds um, of everyone here today, that they would just be uh, softened towards um, your word and your message and what you would have to say um, and what you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would just um, continue to, to cultivate in this church um, a heart for evangelism, a heart to share your word, to share your gospel um, for those who do not know you and have not yet experienced you. And so, God, um, just be with me, be with this congregation, um, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. So, if you haven't already guessed, the main passage in which today's sermon will be preached from will be Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. So, if you have your Bibles or you have your mobile phones with the Bible on it, no judgment. Don't worry. Um, you can turn to Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty, and I'll give you guys a few seconds um, before we dig into the text. And it should also be on the screen. Um, yep. righty. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so at first glance, you might look at this passage and think it's pretty straightforward, which, I mean, it pretty is for the most part. Um, However, as we look at these verses and we begin to break them down, we see that Jesus is actually providing us with a call to action. And this action contains three main components. That is go, that is make, and teach. Um, So we see, therefore, go. And we see, make disciples of all nations. And we see, teach them to observe. And it's with these three commandments, these commands, um, that we get what is known as the Great Commission. And so um, I like to think of the Great Commission as just one of the greatest call to actions of our life. Um, and you, as a follower of Christ, um, have been called to go and make Jesus' name known to anybody and everybody. Um, and also teaching him, teaching them all that he has to offer. So simply put, the Great Commission is Jesus' plan of action um, to accomplish the Father's purpose. And so, for some of you, um, your thought about going and sharing the gospel may be uncomfortable, and for others of you, it may be second nature. Some of you may be pros at this, and some of you may just be beginning. And so, no matter which place you find yourself in today, it is my prayer that by the, at the end of our time together, Um, that we would have a restored or a renewed excitement toward evangelism and ultimately have a plan to share the good news or share the gospel. So before we actually look at the content of that plan or even share the gospel or how to share the gospel, I want to share with you why I think evangelism is so important and why um, Jesus, all those many years ago, has told us to go and make disciples teaching them. And so, um, because I actually believe if we understand the purpose, we will have a much greater desire um, to execute that plan. And so I'm just going to dig right into it with my first point, um, and that is evangelism is an act of love. Um, so love should be a defining characteristic of every follower of Jesus. And if we truly love those around us, We shouldn't be able to help but share the gospel. It should be burning within us to just go and share the gospel. And so, after all, um, if we are seeking to actively produce fruits of the Spirit, we should be looking for any and every opportunity to love. And so, um, 1 Corinthians um, 13, 1-3, is, I think touches on this really well. And so it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so another, another passage I think fits in really well with this scripture is First John 4, 7-11. through 11. Um, And it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And if you don't know what propitiation means, it's just essentially sacrifice for our sins. And so, beloved, it it goes on to say in verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so it is that same love that we have for God, that we have for Jesus, that drives us to love those around us. And it's because of God's love for us that's the very reason that we want to share it with the world. And so if you move, move along a little bit in 1 John chapter 4, you see in verse 20, it also says, if anyone says, I love God but, has, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so we possess some of the, not one of, we possess the greatest news in the world. And love hopefully would propel us to share that news with those who have not heard it or understood it yet. And so God desires everyone to have the opportunity to respond to his offer of salvation. And so withholding news like that would honestly be one of the most cruel things that we can do. And so, the question I I ask today is how much do you, how much does one have to hate someone in order to not share the gospel with them, in order to not share the love of Jesus with someone? And so, if we truly love God, we will also love people whom Jesus came to save. And so, moving on to number two, the second reason I believe evangelism is extremely important, um, is because evangelism helps build our own faith. Beyond just allowing people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, going and sharing our faith with people who do not know him helps build our own faith. It helps helps us find a foundation for our faith and what we believe in. And one of the best ways for me, and I'm sure for most of you, um, to learn a subject is to actually teach it to someone. And so when we make a practice of sharing our faith, Um, With those in our lives, we strengthen our very own beliefs. And so regular evangelism, um, when we practice evangelism consistently, it forces us to wrestle through um, hard questions. It forces us to find answers for ourselves and prepare to respond to people's questions, to questions that they may have about Christianity. And so being able to articulate exactly why we believe what we believe what we believe is an extremely important aspect of not only evangelism but our own faith as a whole. and so regular or sorry, and we should also we should always be prepared to give an answer. Um, we should always be prepared to have a response to those who are curious. and so first Peter chapter three, verse fifteen, I think sums this up really well, and it's Peter, and he says. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so our faith in God should never be reliant upon anyone other than Jesus. Therefore, it is our own personal responsibility to discern the truth about God through the lens of Scripture. And so that means preparing through consistent study of God's word, like we've talked about before. Another spiritual discipline is being in God's word. Um, It means listening to sound pastors and teachers um, and staying in close fellowship with Jesus. And so this practice keeps our own lives pure, so that we don't find ourselves to be seen as hypocrites or someone that does one thing and acts a completely different way. And so, keeping in mind this First Peter um, chapter 3, verse 15, um, I think it goes really well um, into my point number three, which is evangelism is an overflow of the hope that is within us. And so, for the third point, I actually want to paint a picture for you guys. I want to um, help you imagine something for a second. So, just imagine you're in love, or if you are in love, awesome. Just imagine that person that you are in love with. When you're in love with someone, you're not going to want to just hide them. You're not going to want to like only go on dates where you have nights in. You're going to want to talk about them. You're going to want to share them to the world. You're going to want to tell your friends about how awesome they are and how much they care for you, how much they love you. And so it's when we've fallen in love with Jesus that we're going to want to share him with the world. Um, We cannot help but tell people about him every chance that we get. Just like I want to share <laughs> share about my wife all the time and how loving she is. And so, just like um, we love Jesus, and even more so with Jesus, um, we look for opportunities to share His truth with someone who is far from Him. Um, if Jesus is not at the forefront of our minds, we have a heart problem or a spiritual issue. And so before we can even share the gospel, that would need to be addressed. And it is because of the hope that is within us that we see in that 1 Peter 3.15 um, says to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. It is the overflow of that hope that leads us to share the gospel. And so point number four is evangelism is pleasing to the Lord. It's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but God loves it when you share the gospel. He loves it when you go and talk to people about Jesus. So much like we've been talking all throughout this series, um, I do want to convey that these spiritual disciplines are not an end, but rather a means to an even greater end. And so likewise, just as any of the other spiritual disciplines, evangelism is not the end. It is not an activity that should be based or built on the predication of should. Um, It is not, I should share the gospel, or I guess Jesus loves me, I'll share the gospel, whatever. Um, But it should be based on, no, I get to share the gospel. I get to convey how much Jesus loves me and how much Jesus loves everyone. And so I want to share the gospel. And so sharing the gospel should not be as simple as just checking off a spiritual box. It should not be just, it should not be looked at as work. And so evangelism is not a way to earn any sort of favor from God. And evangelism is absolutely not designed for anyone um, seen as more spiritually mature or anything of that nature. Rather, evangelism is simply a tool to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to those who do not know Him, and as as children of God, it is our natural inclination to want to please God, and in all that we do, it should be our greatest desire to honor God with our actions. Even in simple tasks, can be completed with joy because we are doing what God has given us to do. And so, there are honestly many ways to please God and teaching other people how to have a relationship with Jesus is one of those ways. And in pleasing God, we are finding fulfillment in our own lives. And so with all that being said, hopefully we can recognize just how crucial evangelism is, not only for ourselves and our relationship with the Lord, but for those who are not yet Christian. So evangelism is a foundational component of the Great Commission, without which we could not make disciples or teach them. And in turn, we cannot expect someone to apply something that they don't already believe in. And so Paul puts this really well when he writes in Romans 10, 14 through 15. He, he has this line of questioning um, that he is providing, and it, it, it goes like this. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so we see in this scripture, Paul is revealing um, a certain responsibility, um, our responsibility. And so I kind of want to put this in in a way that I've kind of thought about it and um, have of made it made sense in my own head and I'm going to share this with you. It's in order to believe in the gospel, obviously, one must hear the gospel and to hear the gospel, one must be told the gospel. In order for someone to share the gospel, they must be sent. And I'm going to share that again because I think it's really important. In order to believe in the gospel, one must hear the gospel. and In order to hear the gospel, one must be told the gospel. In order for someone to share the gospel, they must be sent. And so now, as we take a look back at the passage in Matthew 28, we see when it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, that not only are we being told to share the gospel in that instance, but we are being sent out to do so. Not suggested to go, but commissioned to go, told to go, commanded to go. And so now I stand here before you and I'm not saying, that God is necessarily saying, you need to go and leave the country. You need to sell your belongings. You need to uproot your life, leave your family, and live as an overseas missionary. And that's what, absolutely that's what God is calling you to. However, I am telling you to go. I'm telling you to go and share the gospel. You are called to share the gospel at work. You are called to share the gospel in, the, in your classrooms. You're called to share the gospel Literally everywhere you are, anywhere you find yourself, be looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Now, as we begin to discuss exactly how to share the gospel, there are actually four observations I want you to keep in mind going into having these types of conversations. And so I will explain these pretty briefly, um, but I think they're really important um, to understand. And so the first one is prayer is an integral part of evangelism. Prayer is a crucial part of evangelism. And so when we are having conversations with our friends, our family, or even people we may not know um, or have just met um, about Jesus and who he is, we need to be praying for them. We have to be interceding for them on their behalf with God, praying for their lives, praying for um, God to move in and through them. And so that leads me to number two. Because We have to rely on God so much. I want you to understand, you cannot and you will not change someone's heart. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So I want you to understand, as we even see very clearly in that passage, like, we may be able to have conversations with people and plant seeds and water seeds that have already been planted, but there's no way that we ourselves can do anything to move them any closer to God. We are not going to be um, making any growth in that area. That is all God. And so a reliance on the Spirit is necessary. And number three, I, wanna, I want you to understand it is okay to not have the answer to every question. It's okay to not fully um, be able to articulate um, really advanced, deep theological um, questions. If you know the gospel and you can articulate the gospel, that's all you need to know, and you can start having gospel conversations today. And so number four, and I think this is extremely important in um, going into these conversations and evangelizing to those we do not know Jesus, and it's the definition of successful evangelism. And if you've been around me for any amount of time, I've probably shared this with you more, th- more times than I can count. But successful evangelism is taking a step in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. And so, just like we talked about in my um, number two point, uh, is leaving the results up to God is extremely crucial part of evangelism. Being able to have a conversation and say, that went really well, now let's let God work. Or having a, that same conversation, being like, that did not go so well, but knowing that God can use it despite that. And so, 1 Corinthians 2 verses 2, um, and then I have 4 and 5 right there with it. Um, it just says this, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God, but with law. Loft- of God with lofty speech or wisdom, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that you, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I, I think Paul has a really strong point here, and he's simply trying to convey that it doesn't matter how how well spoken you are; it doesn't matter how um, well thought out your point is or how well you can explain certain aspects of this theology and that theology. It just matters if you're sharing the gospel. Just share the gospel. And so now we get to the fun part. We get to actually begin to understand how to share the gospel. And so as we come into this, I think it's important to understand that evangelism is not limited to contact evangelism Um, but there are many aspects of relational evangelism as well, and I think, honestly, that is probably going to be one of the more common ways that we do share the gospel. It's through relational evangelism with your friends and family and coworkers and people that you know fairly well. And so, whether you are wanting to share the gospel with your family, with a good friend, a classmate, a coworker, or someone that you just met, this approach can easily be translated in any situation. So where do I start? That might be what you're asking. When you have someone in mind that you want to share the gospel with, first start with a spiritual conversation. Use what you may already know about that person to lead into a gospel conversation. And so you might be asking, well, well what kind of questions can I ask? What, what, how can I start that conversation? Because kind of blank here. I don't know where to go. So I have two really good questions that I ask mm-hmm fairly often, when I'm having gospel conversations with people, but there are all kinds of questions that you can ask. Um, You can ask something as simple as, what do you think about heaven? Or even more broad, what do you think about spiritual things? Are you very spiritual? Things like that. Um, And if you want to know a ton more questions you can ask, you can come to me after service. But the two really big questions that I like to ask, because I think they feed really well into leading into a gospel conversation is the first one being, based on a scale from zero to 100%, if you were to die today, how likely do you think you would be to get into heaven? And typically someone's response, and I won't go through exactly everything about what they'll say, but um, typically someone's response is, I mean, I'm a good person. I've not done too much wrong, so... 85 percent. I mean, I've done some bad things, so 85 percent. I'll get into heaven, um, and so from there, it's pretty easy for you to be able to communicate. Well, can I tell you why I'm 100 percent sure that I'll be getting into heaven? Um, and another question that I typically use to follow up that um, question is: If you were to die tonight, and God were to ask you why He should let you into heaven, what would be your answer? And so, again, probably along the same lines, someone's might answer with, I mean, I'm a good person, so that should be enough. God, God's good for he's a He's a loving God, right? He should let me into heaven. Um, and then, building off of those, those questions, you can um, transition easily and pretty quickly into a gospel conversation. Um, and so, once we've laid the foundation, um, we can enter into that type of conversation. And so there are ma- many, many different ways that we can actually start to present the gospel. And for the sake of time, I will actually just be focusing on one simple way that I like to present the gospel. And so it's in four pretty simple points um, that if you're going to take notes, take notes on this, because um, this is a very concise and easily um, an easy way to communicate um, the gospel in four simple points, and that is God's love, our condition, God's response, and our response. And so the first point is God's love. So God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. He has a specific plan for your life, and he wants you to know him personally. And so John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And I'm going to have scripture throughout all of these points that you can utilize when sharing the gospel. John 17, 3 says, In this eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so the first point, God's love. He loved you, and he created you to know him personally. And originally, there was this perfect design to the world. There was this perfect harmony with um, nature and humans. Um, but unfortunately, we've come to the condition that we know today, where it's not like that at all. It's not a perfect world, and so in our condition, people are sinful, and we've um, missed the mark of perfection that was this perfect design that God intended, and so we cannot know him personally, and we cannot experience his love or his plan for our life, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's our condition that keeps us where we are. It's our condition that leaves us in this state of brokenness and trying to fulfill our lives with all these different things that we have or think will bring us happiness, and so I'm going to paint you a little picture, um, and I think this is my, one of my favorite illustrations to share with people when I'm presenting the gospel, and that is, imagine yourself on, in the Grand Canyon, or not in it, but like at the top of the Grand Canyon, you see the gap, the wide gap, and um, God is on one side, and we're on another, and actually imagine you're here with a really famous athlete, like, LeBron James for instance. And let's let's imagine I'm trying to get to God. I want to I want to be in relationship with God. I want to get to God. And I'm trying to get there on my own. If I try to jump and leap towards God, I'm going to end up falling into the crater below. And LeBron James, being more of an athlete than me, will probably get a little bit further, but ultimately will also fall into the Grand Canyon. And so that's where we come to God's response, because he doesn't want us to just be there. He doesn't want us to stay um, separated from him. And so number three is God's response. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin, for our mistakes. And through him alone, we can know God personally and experience his love. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more, sh- how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so let's imagine we're back at this Grand Canyon, and it's um, ultimately as we see here, it's because of Jesus that we are able to be reconciled to God, that we are able to have that personal relationship with him if we just trust in him and what he said he did and he has done. Um, When he came off of his throne, came out of the throne room to earth to live a perfect life, the, the, the life that God actually designed for us to live, and he lived that life and died a sinner's death on a cross and then rose three days later to be that sacrifice for our sins so that we can trust in him and have eternal life with God the Father. And so, again, imagine the Grand Canyon. It's a pretty simple explanation, but I think it, it goes a long way. Jesus, imagine you laid the, the cross all the way across the, the Grand Canyon. Jesus is that bridge, that That bridges that gap between us and God. And so it's because of Jesus that we get to have that um, personal relationship with our God, the God of the universe. Let that sink in. The God of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with you. But it doesn't end there, it does not end there. Um, Point number four is our response. So there is responsibility on our end. We must individually receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And then we can know God personally and experience his plan. And so I think it's it's really important to um, understand we must individually receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. Because ultimately we must receive Christ. Um, John 1:12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so, it's from there, not, not just receive Christ, but receive Christ through faith. Faith is an important aspect of this. And so it, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not by your own doing. It, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And once we receive Christ, we are receiving Christ by a personal invitation. Revelation three twenty. Says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. And so once we've come to the decision that I want to I want to give my life to Christ, I want to put Jesus as Lord over my life, as the ruler of my life, it's time to confess. Confess that Jesus is your Savior. And so Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And it's with these four points that we see the depth of God's plan and what that means for all of us. And so when you're able to explain that to someone clearly and concisely, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to automatically just jump out and be saved and like I want to I want to know Jesus but having this as a structure for being able to share the gospel I think is a crucial part of being a Christian being able to understand and have points to make when you are sharing what you believe and being able to make that clear and effective And so ultimately, if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, our life should just, it should be a picture of the gospel. Our life should be able to speak for itself. As we go on day to day, um, as we've talked about all throughout this sermon today, um, we are to love others. We are to um, show them through our actions who Jesus was and who he said and what he set out to do. And so, by painting that picture of the gospel through our actions and through our lives, um, we are able to um, be that light for others and they they are willing to come to us and be like what is what is all this about? why do you why are you so happy? Why do you live the way that you do in the world that we live in with all the brokenness and just wrongdoing that is out there?" and so just keep in mind in your day-to-day lives um, of your actions and your words because they hold a lot of weight for people. And so the worship team can come back up, um, but I want to I leave you with a challenge. Um, I actually want to challenge you, and I want you to make it a point this week to either think of someone that you want to share the gospel with, um, seek opportunities, seek um, opportunities, to actually share the gospel, but ultimately be praying. Be praying for open doors. Be praying for your heart. Be praying for um, the people that are in your lives who don't know Jesus. Um, be praying that all that you do would be, do, would be done to the glory of God. Um, and just know that no matter what you do, just be willing to go. Be willing to obey the call of the Spirit and share the gospel with those who do not know Him. And so I'll pray for us, and then I'll let the worship band do their thing. God, I thank you just so much for this congregation and these people here today, uh, the people who were so gracious to sit uh, before me and let, them, uh, let me speak to them. Um, God, it's a humbling experience. God, I, I just thank you just for who you are um, and all that you've done through us and in us and through this church and all that you continue to do through this church. God, you are so incredibly good. Um, You are so full of of life, of love, of mercy and grace. And so I just, I pray um, that we would be a church that is constantly seeking opportunities to share your good news, to share the word with the world. So we thank you just that you even want to partner up with us in this mission and use us in this way. So God, I thank you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.